Hey everybody, Chris here. Um, I'm getting tired of being the engineer of this show. Again, the sound quality is not up to par. I hate being the cliche of the guy promising better sound uh, the next episode, but I'm not sure what uh, I'm doing wrong at this point. So I'm going to begin a hunt for an engineer. Ideally, a sober engineer in recovery would be great. Somebody that I can pay in t-shirts, caps, and the like. Um, What else? Uh... Hundreds of you listen, 18 of you have rated us on iTunes. I'd appreciate it if uh, a few more of you made your way over to iTunes and and clicked uh, on the stars, all right? Thanks very much. Uh, here comes Jean. She was a terrific guest. Thanks. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. With our guest tonight, Gene McCarthy of unpickledblog.com and the Bubble Hour podcast. Hello? Hi, Gene. Hey, Hi, Gene. Hello, hello. Second voice was Jeff. Yeah. Hi, Jeff. How are I'm you? I'm Hi. great. Uh, so, sound is great. Sound sound good. Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll just uh, dive in unless there's any, more, any questions, comments, concerns. Um, nope. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, tonight on Since Right Now, we are honored and humbled to have Gene, um, and I always ask this, I forget to in the pre-call usually, uh, <laughs> you, you use your last name, it's it's out and about, right? It is, yeah. Gene, all right, Gene McCarthy um, of Unpickled and the Bubble Hour, and both of which um, were tremendous early influences on uh, doing what we do it clean and sober and uh, since right now podcast. And I was telling Gene this in the, in the pre-call that, uh, you know, certainly from a format standpoint, it was a revelation to me that, um, you know, three or four, or sometimes I think you have like five people on the mic. Right. Um, but um, uh, could, could sit and talk just candidly and openly about the recovery. It was for, for me, it was a revelation. And, uh, and, and the other thing, and then I'll, 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 let you respond to some of this, um, Gene, is early on, very early on, I found, I think it's in your about page, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, um, something you wrote that had a really profound impact on me, and I'm so glad I found it early on in my, my experience on the, um, what, what has been known as recovery-friendly web, is you wrote, resist the urge to be entertained and instead let yourself be moved. Something beautiful has been happening here. Maybe it's time you knew. And honestly, that hit me like a, a ton of bricks. I think it's beautiful, and I think it's it's just such a phenomenal thing um, to be said about what is going on here yeah. in your words. So, you know, I, I thank you for that. Um, yeah. If nothing else, for um, helping guide me. And that is by way of setup, um, 
as Gene as being a profound influence on what we're doing here, and and that's where the humbled and honored come from. And hopefully you can uh, you can follow that with with uh, yeah with um some whatnot some whatnot <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but so and and, and lastly uh, my my impression is that you got sober and correct me if I'm wrong on this one without without having a bottom without yeah. think without thinking that um you're an alcoholic is that correct yeah, yeah. i i got sober um i kept i kept going back and checking like i'm pretty sure i'm i'm pretty sure i'm addicted to this like yeah. no no bottom you know you know, I have to hit rock bottom and go to AA. And I'm like, well, I don't want to go to AA. I don't even want to hit rock bottom. And there was no rock bottom in sight. So I just kept drinking, but I was getting worse. Right. Yeah. And then I do, then I do another check. You know, I'd, I'd go on the, the sites, you know, the sites, the test your drinking right. sites and do another self-assessment. And I'm like, well, I'm worse than I was last time, wow. but still no bottom. And you know, I'm leaving work an hour early instead of half an hour early, and I'm drinking more at night. And I, you know, I was really st starting to see the um, obsession take over my day. Like I could see changes in myself, but then I think, well, yeah, but like I haven't hit rock bottom. Yeah. No one's saying anything to me, and I'm clearly killing it in life. Like <laughs> I'm doing good in life. Right. I'm a winner. Not Was a that true? Were you clearly killing it in life? Oh yeah. yeah okay. Like and and being, you know, well rewarded for it. I mean, yeah. um and so I just I felt like I have everything together. I just have this little problem with alcohol that nobody knows about. If I could just fix that, then everything would be perfect. And what hit me honestly out of the blue, um instead of a bottom, what I had was just a profound out of the blue, boot-shaking awareness that I was on my way to a bottom and that I was in, a, a, that I was in something that had a momentum that had the potential to kill me. And I just, I, it, it was a revelation to think, I don't have to go there. I can stop this now. This is stupid. You know, you don't have to smoke a pack a day before you quit, you know, you don't have to say, if I can just like get three more cigarettes in a day, then I can quit because then I'll be back <laughs> day. Or I can't lose weight till I hit 300 pounds and then I'll, so it just, the stupidity of it, I guess. And, and the like terrifying reality of like, Oh my God, this is, you know, I'm, I, some people call it the yet, you know, mm. I haven't done that yet. Right. Hit rock bottom yet. I haven't lost my license yet. It was, it was a no, I hadn't never, I hadn't heard that expression yet. <laughs> how, how long from the time, do you remember the first time you thought you might have a problem to that moment where you realized you needed to quit? How long was it? Was this years or? Years. Yeah. yeah years. Years. And, and like hundreds of days of saying, I gotta, okay, I gotta make this today's the day, Yeah. Hmm. you know? And then at work it would be like, oh, this day sucked. I, 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 today is not the day. Or, hey, it was a great day. Can't be the day. It's a great day. I don't want to be fine, you know? Yeah. Did you have context for, like, what a bottom looked like, like family or friends? or? Um, yeah, I did. Well, I had the stigma. 
in mind. And um, a, a dear friend of mine who lived up the street, her uh, now ex-husband, then husband, was going through what I thought was a low bottom. So I kept con con comparing myself to him. Yeah. And, and incidentally, he was hiding it from the world. I only knew about it because my friend would come up to my house and talk to me over a glass of wine. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Right. Of course. And, uh, and um, so she'd leave and I'd think, as I'm pouring, you know, the wine that I had hidden while she was there because I didn't want her to drink all my wine. Then I'd, you know, pour another glass of wine and I'd think, well, he's an alcoholic. I'm not. Um, and so I, I, you know, I just perpetuated that stereotype in my mind that you had to get to some kind of hot mess situation and people had to notice, you know, and yet, um, uh, it, I, I honestly, you guys, and it, this is funny now, I'm sure you'll see this about yourselves. I thought, um, and when I started on pickup, I confess that I started my blog thinking, like, this is crazy. I'm really different than other people. Yeah. <laughs> and you started the first day, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, good for you. And like, I kind of thought. I'm sober and I'm going to write about it right now. Write about it. But I didn't really think anyone would find it. I kind of mm. thought, I better document this because this yeah. is probably really unusual. And once <laughs> I get through this, you know, in a few weeks when I'm through this. <laughs> and, and happily drinking again. Well, or, you know, fine. You know, right, once, exactly. Nothing happens. Almost yeah. perfect. So once I get completely perfect, then someone, you know, maybe I could do something with this yeah. little story because um, it's probably nothing that anyone's ever heard before. So now here I am almost five years later and still sober, but still realizing like, oh, my God, I have so much to work on about mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. and. There's nothing unusual about me at all. I'm completely normal. We all are. I right. mean, uh, sometimes in, in the recovery community, we refer to people that can drink normally. We call them normies. Mm -hmm. And the other day I was thinking, you know, that's really the dumbest thing ever. We should call them abbies because alcohol is addictive. So if you drink it without getting addicted, you're abnormal. We're the that's normal. Oh, a little twist there. Nice. That's yeah. So Take that back. it's interesting. I like that. The uh, we and you we say we see this a lot, or I see this in the rooms all the time. I think people come in and expect to to have to hit this low bottom, and lots of people don't yeah. ever hit that, just like you. And and I always think like normal people don't think about alcohol the way we thought about alcohol. And yeah. you know, it's like you become obsessed with how much you're drinking, when you're drinking. Every morning you wake up, you have this voice in your head, this battle of whether you're going to drink that day or not going to drink that day or blah, blah, blah. That's the disease. I mean, to me, that's yeah. where normal people don't ever consider that, right? Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, there, and beyond that, mind. anything, you can fall on any any part of of the spectrum. If you have that going on in your life, you've got it. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't matter if you're not sleeping on a park with a paper bag under right. your arm or not, you know, driving your kids to school with vodka in your coffee mug or if you've never been caught, like whatever you're, but I haven't done this yet. None of that matters. Mm -hmm. Those other things are all sort of social circumstances and life circumstances. And, and, um, at the end of the day, like really, I, this was a huge revelation for me. I kept thinking, Oh, I'm not like other alcoholics. I'm not like them, but I really, really am. Yeah. And, and, um, and that's okay. Like I think 
I somehow felt like there was like different sort of uh, strata. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and honestly, that stupid belief made me afraid to go to AA because I thought they won't accept me. Interesting. Yeah. They, they, I'm not, they're going to say I'm not bad enough. And they and they're not going to accept me. And um, uh, I was really, really afraid of that because I knew I was. And you did not go to AA. You just did I, this cold turkey. I did. I went cold turkey, and I I did go online and use some AA resources. Okay. And I also used resources from Smart Recovery and a number of different things. Um, some people would call that like self-managed recovery or mm-hmm. self-directed recovery, mm-hmm. the way I did it. Um, you know, the downside of it is that it's a really isolated way to get sober. And I, it doesn't work for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Because think, why do you think it worked for you? Are you just like, uh, you're just good with that? Like, you know no, um, it, it was luck, honestly. <laughs> um, and I, I can see now in retrospect, I understand why it worked, but I didn't know it then. So it kind of worked in spite of myself. So from what I've learned from like the actual experts, because I know I'm not one, but right. <laughs> I'm an expert on me. Exactly. It. But um, that there, there's a lot of things that can undermine our attempts at recovery. One of them is if you have other active addicts in your life. And I don't. Um, and I had a lot of support. So not only, um, you know, was I not surrounded by dysfunction and disharmony and chaos, basically, I have a pretty quiet life. And when I did finally tell my husband what was going on, he was really, really supportive and, and is to this day. Did he know? No. Wow. So how were you hiding it? Like coming home and going yeah, to room? And... Like, so I, we, we work together. We own a business. Okay. Um, so we would work together all day. And, but I would always come home a little bit early and start supper and I'd be there when the kids got home from school and stuff. Uh, and that's when I would start drinking. I would pick up wine on my way home and I would have some in a coffee mug while I was cooking. And I would make a big show of like, oh, honey, you're home. Let's have some wine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just uh-huh. like second or third, you know? Yeah, you're already, you're already going. Like, yeah. Hey, let's, we're going to have our first glass together. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. That's true. He did, so you guys, you knew you drank. He just had no idea you had this weight of this thing going on. You knew you could, you were an alcoholic. He had no idea. No, yeah. I think I had talked to him on several times saying, you know, I think we're drinking too much. And um, he's like, I'm not drinking too much. Well, he'd say like, okay, well, let's, okay, let's just drink on weekends. And then he'd do that. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> so then I'd really have to hide it. Right. And by about, you know, that would be on the weekend. And then on Wednesday, uh, I'd be done hiding it because I couldn't hide it, you know. And then, uh, so I'd be having wine with dinner. And he'd be like, oh, what's up with that? I thought we were only drinking on the weekends. And he'd be like, oh, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, but no one, like, I really wasn't a drunk. Like, yeah. no one ever saw me drunk. That's why I called my blog Unpickled because I was just always kind of buzzed. Like, my goal, I think, when I look back on it, was to avoid that moment when I'd go to bed at night and I'd put my head on the pillow and I could I could distract myself with busyness mm-hmm. all day long. I I was the busiest person you ever met. Mm-hmm. And people would always say like how do you do it all? I can't believe all the things you do. And I'd be like I don't know, I just do them. 
But all I was really trying to do was never, ever, ever be alone with myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you can only do that until you go to bed at night. And, and then you're all alone. Then, you know, there's those few minutes. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky it's only a few minutes. When you turn out the light, put your head on the pillow, and then it's just you and God, if you believe in God or yourself, mm-hmm. whatever, you, you have to face yourself. And so I... To be honest, started drinking to help me go to sleep at night, to sure. erase that moment. And um, it just took more and more and more. And so for me, getting sober was kind of the easy part. Um, and I think a lot of people find this. It, right. Recovery was learning to sit still with myself right. and, and just deal with that. Did you, so when you, when you were, I started drinking whenever this was. You didn't drink alcoholically. You drank your way into alcoholic drinking, it sounds like. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Like, I, I was a pretty normal, like, teenage, you know, binge drinker, which isn't mm-hmm. healthy. And I would say looking back, there was a few times as a, as a young person where there were some weird moments where I was like, hmm. Like, a, uh, you know, like I'd, I'd gotten some bad news. A friend had been killed when I was a teenager. And, like, the first thing I did was I just, I wanted a shot of rye. Hmm. I remember like drinking it and then thinking, what the hell? Like, why did I do that? But I remember plain as day that like that was in that moment of crisis, that was the only thing I wanted. So it was always a a reason to get out of yourself, a reason to just cover up your emotion or something. Yeah, to not feel. But I I was okay with it for a long time. And then I think for me, it was really through my 30s um, as, you know, my kids got older and my career really started going crazy because I was going crazy. Like I was just a total workaholic approval junkie, like you name it. Mm-hmm. I have an award for it. it <laughs> it's ridiculous how hard I worked and, and how driven I was to achieve because I felt like I really had to earn my place in this world. And then I would sort of drink at the end of the day to, I would say it was a brick on my head. Like, Okay, I gotta I gotta skid into bed and get six or seven hours of sleep and get up and do all that again tomorrow. So I kind of like a lot of people will say alcohol worked really well at first, whether you're using it for social comfort or self medicating something or sleep aid or whatever. It does work really good at first, and then and then it doesn't, and then it really really doesn't. And um, I I was totally invested in that nonsense of a glass of wine a day is good for you. And, um, you know, that, that is, that's just bad science. I mean, if you look at what those studies actually say, that's a case of a little tiny kernel of truth. That's kind of okay. That also says you get the same benefit from having a walk a day. Right. Right. Okay. And the media gets a hold of it and, and they run with it because right. you know, they have a job to do. And, it's, and like, uh, it's so far below like a number of other foods you could even eat to get the same health benefits. Yeah. <laughs> but by God, we clung to it. And the glass just kept getting bigger. You know, I'm only having a big one. glass of wine. Now I'm getting really healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, there's so much uh, in there that I, oh, I want to come back to. One of which is... Um, well, I mean, it sounds like we, we always touch on that that aspect of, of the drinking is to keep us from really knowing ourselves. Yeah. Right? From having to sit, to your point, you know, sit with yourself. And, you know, I've always thought of it as the, you know, when you stop is when you finally get to meet yourself. And sometimes 
you know, <laughs> who the person you meet, um, yeah, like, you know, uh, has a uh, lot of challenges. And that's, <laughs> that is when it gets scary, right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, and it sounds like in the, you know, these few years you've, you've done a lot of work and become really balanced. Um, and so never having set foot in the room at, at all, right? I went to I went to one meeting, one meeting. Okay. and not even in my hometown. I live in kind of a small community. Yeah. And um and by up north, small, up north, right? I, I'm in Canada. I'm in Alberta, cool. and uh, southern Alberta. So the city I live in is about ninety thousand people. Hmm. And because we're business owners, and uh, I was a performing songwriter, and because I was like hooked on achievement. Um, I was very, very visible in my community and, and very well known and, and a leader in my community. I mean, I did a lot of good things and I was well regarded for it. And, and uh, I, was, I was afraid that everything I had achieved would be undermined if people knew that I had a drinking problem and, or that I was in recovery. So I, I didn't go to AA because I really, two, two reasons. First of all, I, I was... I was wrong about AA. I felt like I wouldn't truly be anonymous and everyone would know who I was. And I had that ego thing going on of like, you know, I'm super special. And I'm right. like, Do you know who I am? Yeah. yeah. That. And I, I'm, I'm embarrassed by that now. But I also understand it. It's part of the construct of how addiction plays out in our life. Um, that's that's pretty normal to feel that way. And um and it was also a normal outcome of all the things I was doing to avoid myself. I mean, all of those achievements and all of those projects and, and um, you know, just the, my public persona um, was, was my armor. And it gave me, you know, I was listening to the show you did yesterday, or I listened to it yesterday, I guess you did it last week, about um, social anxiety. And I'm so relating to that because I built this, like, this, armor that I could walk in anywhere and I didn't have to introduce myself. I didn't have to tell you what I was about. I, I Everyone knew who I was and I either had a guitar between me and other people or a podium or a desk or something like that. So there was no damn way I was going to go into a room where I wouldn't have a barrier between me and other people. That was part of it. And then I honestly, um, and this is not to disparage AA at all because I have enormous respect for the program and it has worked well for a lot of people. But I really, I looked at the steps and, you know, the first step is admitting powerlessness. And I thought, I'm not powerless yet. I still have some power in this and I want to take it. And I really felt like, for me, I'm quite a religious person. And I felt like, you know, I don't feel like I have a spiritual void here. I feel like I'm, I'm still empowered and I'm connected spiritually and I feel like there's another way calling me. And, um, and yet I still thought, you know, that program has a lot to offer. And so I, I made use of the, of the um, resources that it offered. But back to the one meeting I went to, um, it, this is crazy. You want to hear one of my crazy stories? Yes, um, like the heavens parted and shone on me one day. So I had... Um, uh, it was I was nearing my 1,000th day of sobriety, which is and, over three years. No, right. under three years, slightly. Okay, you've got the little counter on your yeah, phone. 365 right? in a year. I'm just adding up. I'm just doing math, man. <laughs> That's good. So I, I was at that point, and a, and a friend was going to um, uh, on a big trip, and uh, she was going to New York, and she invited me to go with her because her kids were supposed to go, and they canceled. So out of the blue. 
she said, do you want to come to New York? And I looked at my calendar and I said, oh my God, that's going to be my thousandth day of sobriety. Yes, I will. I will go with you to New York. And then, um, as I was planning to go for that, I was listening to the bubble hour, which I wasn't part of yet. I was just a, a listener like everybody else. And one of the co-hosts had announced that she was leaving. And I had like this lightning bolt of inspiration. I, I literally like got up from where I was plucking my eyebrows or whatever I was doing and went to my computer and sent an email to the bubble hour. Wow. And I was like, my name's Jean. I write a blog called Unpickled. I have a background in radio and TV. Um, I know you're down a man. Uh, I have a bit of a following. I, ha- I kind of know my way around this. If you want some help, let me know. Send. And um, and that was that. Lo and behold. So they kind of, I guess they got that and they knew who I was and thought, oh, this could be helpful. And they put it on the back burner. And here's what I didn't know. And I can tell you this because this is all out in the open now, but it wasn't then. Uh, the night before I was going on this stupid destination wedding trip that I shouldn't have gone on, I was really dreading going and I had put into my book, into my suitcase, a book called Drink by Anne Dowsett, Dowsett mm-hmm. Johnston, Canadian mm-hmm. writer. And uh, I got a phone call from Amanda from the Bubble Hour mm-hmm. who said, hey, this is Amanda. Do you still want to help us with our show? And I said, yeah. And she goes, okay, well, um, we're not down one person, we're down two, because Ellie just went into rehab, and I have this author on the show tomorrow night, and I haven't read the book, because she was so busy helping Ellie, so um, do you think you could help me? And I said, yeah, I have the book here. Oh, it's the same book. (laughs) This is the book that I have. Wow. (laughs) In my case, I'm leaving on vacation tomorrow, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay up all night, read that book interview that author author tomorrow wow. <laughs> and then go on my vacation uh so guess what like overachieving gene was back yeah. <laughs> well it's funny i just wrote okay, that's a great story that's a great story right so it goes on from there yeah so so i did that and okay now i'm officially uh helping on the bubble hour and there was another uh person was also about to help out on the bubble hour uh, and that was a lady named Catherine who, uh, as it happened, happened to be uh, in in New York on the same day that I was going to be there on my thousandth uh, day of sobriety. And uh, and so we had, we're in the same online community. And so anyway, I posted, I'm I'm going to be in New York City on my thousandth day of sobriety. Does anybody want to meet me for coffee? And she was like, hey, my name's Catherine. I'll meet you. Um, We could go to a meeting. So we did that. I went to a meeting with her on my thousandth day of sobriety. And that's when I found out she was the other co-host for the bubble hour. Wow. That's double so, serendipity. It is almost triple. Yeah. Or more. That's, That's a lot. Crazy. That's a it lot to believe. Crazy. I don't believe any of it, Gene. I know. <laughs> Total bullshit. And so no, that it, was your one meeting mm-hmm. by chance day. with yeah. your future co-host <laughs> on your thousandth day in a different city. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Wow. And I'm a little girl from like armpit Canada, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> Is that what they call Alberta? Oh, <laughs> small town where'd you go in new york do you remember where did i go the meeting, you the meeting. yeah the meeting oh it was like you mean what part of the city was it in? yeah i don't know there's like some famous clubs there. i just wanted to play oh jeff I, jeff knows meetings yeah i do oh. i go yeah whatever I I, travels and he does meetings yeah i don't know i don't oh. know what meeting it was somewhere so did you like the meeting um i did i, I 
I could, I knew instinctively though that I had made, it was not for me, yeah. but I really liked it. And I could see how, um, I loved feeling anonymous. Mm-hmm. I loved being in New York and feeling anonymous yeah. in general. I mean, that just does not happen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, today I sold some of my son's like exercise equipment online. And when the guy came to pick it up, he was like, Oh, I recognize you. That's You're nice. that business owner that won all the awards. And, wow. and I was like, yeah, that's, <laughs> Yay. Has your has your high life achieving ways slowed down in sobriety? Are yeah. Still, are you still the high life achiever? No, I I'm a, I'm an overachiever in recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously. You know, I I learned something um that uh that what I think matters and it it didn't matter to me mm-hmm. before. It only, it, as I learned what codependence means, which by the way, does not mean married to an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, it means uh, that you depend on other people for your identity and right. your importance. As I, as I learned about that and saw myself in that, I came to appreciate that I was doing a lot of things that I didn't really want to do or that I didn't really like. And I was doing them because I felt like they... Um, they help to protect me, you know, that, as I said that, my achievements were my armor and they allowed me to walk into a room and not have to introduce myself or justify my, you know, inch of the planet that I'm taking up. And as self-acceptance came, the need for that lessened. And I started to really think, you know, I, I need to honor myself. So as an example, um, I, I was doing a, a lot of, uh, I'm a business owner mm-hmm. uh, and a business person, but as a side hobby, I um, would play guitar and write music. And then as a psychotic overachiever, I recorded that music, produced albums, um, was on the radio, was doing live performances and folk festivals. And I mean, I just couldn't do anything halfway, right? What kind of music? Folk. Folk music. You know the. The opening song to the Bubble Hour is me. That's ah. that's one of my singles off my album. <laughs> Do you still play? No, I don't. Oh, that's. I um I I would have stage fright so badly for days before shows that I would be physically ill. And when I really started learning about recovery, I and learned to honor what what I thought and what I felt. I really realized that my body was telling me I didn't like this mm-hmm. and um, that this wasn't serving me well. And what I really liked about performing was telling stories mm-hmm. and connecting with people. And I didn't even really like singing that much. I really liked the story and the shared mm-hmm. moment of truth. And now I have that. And you got all that. Pardon? Yeah, you have all that now. I do. Uh, yeah, I have it in a, in a much better way now. And, uh, and so I don't really need that anymore. And so I've let that, I've let it go. Um, and if I ever, I, I sometimes do still sing for my own pleasure, um, you know, play guitar at the lake or something like that. But I, I think I will avoid performing for the rest of my life, probably. That's an interesting revelation. And I'm really, um, yeah, per, it, it's, I, I find it like comforting and, and maybe it's an odd way. I don't know. But, you know, if you've listened to that social anxiety episode and certainly, you know, regular listeners know that I talk about my social anxiety quite a bit. Um, you know, once 
I got sober and I, I my 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 armor, you know, my, my alcoholic and drug drug based armor was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I ultimately realized I don't mind. I like me just the way I am. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm socially anxious. It's it's when you know others and, and other events are introduced that it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sort of came to this, the same revelation that I don't fe- particularly feel broken, um, you know, and that it's okay to to not do the things that make me uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, so I, I do find uh, some comfort in that. I appreciate you telling that story. Um, and it, what's really fascinating too is, I mean, the the sort of self awareness that you've gained since you quit drinking, without, you know, having to come to any any. It sounds like with no real, really serious, um, you know, damaging consequences, um, and and without working the steps specifically. What what is, what what have you done if you don't mind me asking? I mean, are, are you? Um, well, what have you done? What, 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 what do you do to, to, to work on you? I have, um, hmm, okay, that's a good question. So the first and most important thing I did was I quit drinking. Right. Um, <laughs> that helps. I spoke about saying, but a lot of people stumble over that piece. Yeah. Right. It, that's a non, that was non-optional for me. And in some ways, my perfectionism served me well in that. I was deeply, deeply afraid of falling and starting over and going back to zero. And so I was kind of driven by fear at first. Um, But I built some new patterns in my life. And I, I, I just, once I was able to function without alcohol period, which just took some time. I mean, it's very raw and terrifying at first. And then I, um, I started reading, I started, voraciously online finding material and and um how do you fix this how do you fix this you know and looking at i looked at the 12 steps i would say that was the first thing i did and i said why do they do that why why do you list out your um you know that your your resentments and your mm-hmm. why do you take stock of yourself like that why do you have to talk to someone else what what comes of that okay so that's there's some introspection and some healing and that comes from that. Um, so I wanted to understand that better. And so I downloaded a lot of speaker tapes from me and I listened to those as I was out walking and I, uh, and running. And, um, again, I was alone, alone, alone and listening to things and learning on my own. And, um, eventually just by chance, you know, another one of those crazy stories, but by chance I was at a event, a business event, and uh, the keynote speaker was like a Canadian <laughs> quasi-celebrity. Like, it's really easy to be a celebrity in Canada, right? Right, right. Anyway. Was he like a game show host or? Uh, yeah, like a former CBC. Oh, um, anchor guy. Yeah. News presenter, as they say. Uh, science show guy. Oh, okay, science show so, guy who had lost his show and become a speaker for some reason and no one ever really knew why. And in this presentation, actually I asked him a question about, it was a presentation about like uh, social media or something. Right. And I asked a question about using uh, music rights in, in, um, uh, in your presentations. Right. 
And he says, oh, funny story about that. Let me tell you a story about using music rights. Um, and he proceeds to tell this story where he says, oh, so in order to tell you the story, I have to tell you all uh, I'm an alcoholic in recovery. And, uh, you know, I usually try to stay anonymous, but this story won't make sense unless I tell you this. Uh-huh. So then he goes on to say how he, uh, do you want to hear the story? Do we have lots of time? Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, that's what the, through the magic of podcasting, <laughs> that's, that's what we do, man. Oh, you're going to edit me and make me sound way smarter than I am. I know it. We'll edit you. We'll edit. If this story sucks, Gene, we will definitely edit it. It's gone. Okay. No pressure. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's great, actually. You may want to do this. Okay. This fellow said he has this uh, thing that he does. So because he's a a speaker at um, conventions and things, it's standard practice that um, they they send a bottle of wine to your room and that often when you arrive, there's a basket that's got champagne and stuff in it. And we can't be alone with that, right? If we're in recovery. Yeah. So he, he was telling the story that he got to his room at the, that, that very hotel and there was a bottle of wine there. And so he took it out and put it into the elevator and shut the doors and thought how funny that would be for someone to go to get in the elevator and there's this bottle of wine for them. But not only did he do that, he made a video of himself doing it and was trying to put some music to it. And that, so his story had been that that um, Facebook wouldn't allow him to upload the video that he made because he had a, some copyright infringement on the music and it. Facebook automatically scanned off the music. Yeah. But all I heard, six months sober and at a convention, my first ever convention, so probably one of the hardest things for someone that's newly sober, and a convention filled with my competitors. So, you know, my armor, I really needed my armor. And um, and yet I didn't have my numbing agent that made the yeah. armor palatable, right? So alcohol wasn't my armor, my persona and my bullshit was my armor. But then I numbed myself at the end of the day with it. Anyway, I was very, very lost and scared and really struggling. And, and here's this person, the first time in my life that I'm sitting with someone who is telling me that they haven't been sober that long and that they are willing to talk about it. So, so after the room cleared, I went up to him and was like, Hey, um, hi. So, um, um, yeah, I'm like the lady that was in the front row, like looking like really important and asking you a lot of questions. And, um, I just, um, I just want to tell you that like, um, I'm six months sober (laughs) (laughs) and I was so scared that someone might hear from out in the hall or something. Yeah. Hey, this guy says, Oh my God. And he throws his arms open and he comes running over and just like grabs me in this big hug. And he's like, that is so huge. Good for you. That's amazing. And something happened for me, which is where I really realized for the first time why people go to meetings and why it's so important to connect with another person. And, um, and I realized at that point that I needed to find some people mm-hmm. to support my sobriety um, because that was just so, just, awesome. it was a paradigm shift. Is that sure. right? It, it changed everything for me. Um, I mean, never mind that he was a Canadian celebrity. I mean. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, come on. I mean, come on. I was, I, I'm still, you know, a little excited about that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I mean, it was. It, it could have been anyone and it was it was just there's something magical that happens and 
Uh, the reason I think it's important to tell the story is because I, I can guarantee you that a number of your listeners are people that are maybe early on in the stage of change. Like they might be just be contemplating quitting or they might be, you know, like me in the early days of quitting, but haven't yet got up the nerve to go to some kind of support group or to, to even just tell anybody. And so hearing our voices is helpful and is encouraging and is really great. But as great as this is, like, it's a million times better to look in someone's eyes and just tell them the truth and receive the truth back. It's, it's incredible. You, and that, that really is um, a terrific point to make. I mean, I, I'm not sure um, what you know, you know about my story, but, you know, this is like 16 years in. I started this finally as, as my way of entering into the community. Um, and for me, as the social anxious guy doing this from behind a monitor, um, even the social media, um, the wel welcoming into social media, the, the web-based community, um, just felt so amazing, quite frankly. It almost felt like coming home in a way because I... I I'd never been in the rooms. I'd never set foot in an AA meeting until yeah. um, last year. Um, and uh, and just ha had no real sober network other than Jeff and, and Matt. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and there was something wonderful about that. But then, you know, going to that first uh, AA meeting after all those years and, and, and sitting in a room full of, you know, essentially my people, Mm -hmm. um, was very moving and then you know i think we probably talked about it a bit on the episode after we got back from dc but seeing all these people that i had met online and just being in their presence these people that you know i called friends from afar um was really very um you I mean ultimately it, it really sank in to a large degree when i came back in the absence of it but it was very emotional it was very powerful for me so I mean I, I absolutely get what you're saying that, yeah um, it takes it to another level really yeah. yeah so did you feel like you were in at that point you'd be kind of white knuckling it and something broke that day and you're like I just need to get my community yeah I, I think that was uh, people online had been telling me you know you need to you need right. to connect like online is good and I kept kind of thinking hey, I'm doing good you know yeah. I'm sober I'm six months sober I mean I, I I couldn't even I could never have dreamed of going a few days without a drink and here I'm six months sober I'm good like and um but then I just realized oh there's you know I couldn't have imagined um that I needed that so, until so, I had it so you have an in a real life sober um support system now I do, and I, I you know, I, I pieced it together little by little mm -hmm. and over time. So the first thing I started to do, okay, wait, first I have to preface this, you guys, this is the crazy part. Mm -hmm. I'm talking as if I never knew anyone in recovery. My dad, and he doesn't mind me saying this because mm -hmm. he's open about it, my dad was got sober at, um, in his early 20s, 23, 24 years old. Wow. Okay. So I grew up knowing that my dad was an alcoholic, that he never, ever drank. He told us um, alcoholics have to stay sober forever. Once you're, once you're an alcoholic, you always are, so you can never drink again, not even a little bit. And, but he didn't go to meetings because we kind of lived out in the sticks. And, um, but he, he did get sober through AA as a young man. So that said, I never, 
I didn't tell my parents until I had been sober for a long time, but I never really considered my dad someone who I could connect with on this because he's not real introspective about it. Um, and uh, I knew he would be supportive and, and he, he is, he's happy for me, but we don't really talk about it. It's not really a thing. And I think he thinks it's silly that people need to talk about it. So yeah, which, I mean, I, I was actually going to ask you about that. Um, <laughs> if you ever have any thoughts like that, having not sort of had that, that bottom experience. Hmm. Um, well, I, I think there's, I, I, my perspective is that we get, um, we, how, how do I say this succinctly? If, if you take a ship and you just turn it up two degrees off course, you just adjust its nose slightly over the course of its travels, it'll end up on the wrong continent. Right. That's right. And that's what happens to us, I believe, in our lives, is that we're trying to get to the right place, but we're just off course a little bit. And over time, we're so far gone that um, we not only have to, like, correct course, but we almost have to, like, back it right up to the beginning mm -hmm. and learn how to redo everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, shameless plug coming. So I created this... Um, the secret logo for people in recovery. A friend, a designer friend, and I created it together, and it's called Unre. Oh my God, that's my that's my speed round question. I have three of them. That's one. So let's let's hear. <laughs> like, what's that all about? So I, I wanted like like you guys in AA have this super cool secret logo that you get to wear, yeah. and I love that. Yeah. And I want a secret logo that I get to wear. And I'm not a poser, so I won't wear an AA logo because I don't think it's fair. I don't go to meetings, yeah, but like I wanted something that was sort of like, you know, my little sobriety mug or something or t-shirt or whatever that I could wear that, but that wasn't like, yay, I'm sober. And, but I still wanted it to be meaningful to me and somehow convey a message. And so we came up with this unre, which is really to me, what recovery is like back it up, undo the stuff that's not working, redo it. So back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Kind of. Undo it, you got to redo it. Redo it. Back you got and the forth. video on your site. I do. My God, you watched it. I did watch that video. So um, that's the whole thing. And that's what I think recovery is. And you ask me a question, somehow this is the answer to it. Um, <laughs> that, that That's what I, to me, recovery is like just figuring it out like mm -hmm. where did I go wrong like like I was you know woman of distinction and and um my my um high school had me back as like the what do they call it distinguished alumni mm -hmm. award you know all that stuff like I'm how did how is that wrong like wh what did I get so wrong yeah and so I it was just a mystery to me because as I started as I said I thought like Everything's perfect except for this little blemish between yeah. 4 p.m. and midnight. And then recovery was realizing, like, no, the whole thing was built wrong. Yeah. I had to take it all apart and keep the good stuff and stick with that, but let some things that looked good but weren't really good, I had to let them go and do some things differently. And so that's there, there's no end of things to talk about with if that's what you're doing right. and exactly. doing that our whole lives yeah and i like that yeah. well, i'm gonna say it's kind of like the 10th step of alcoholics anyway. 
that's our little. But that's good. And what is the tenth step? Uh, constantly taking out inventory of yourself and cleaning up your. Oh, it's a yeah. constant thing. It's a constant okay. thing, and that's what's nice about this unre thing. That's right. what you constantly you do, right? right? Yeah. This yeah. is your this is your way of living. This is your design for living. It's yeah. It's great. I need a philosophy. You do. And yeah, that's I think a good one. And I, I reckon you know it's interesting. I mean, cause a lot of us as you know, I guess addicts um, have the have fragile egos, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I used to say. Uh, I have a, a raging superiority complex. <laughs> yes. When and and Jeff experienced that, you know, after you know, long after I was sober, um, because I stopped doing the work. I stopped un and re. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I just sort of was was letting all those things build up, and it would be, I suppose, it's what uh, some faction calls a dry drunk. Dry drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, I, I really don't like that term, but. Um, but yeah, I stopped doing any work on myself after thinking I knew myself exceptionally well. Um, yeah. I got uh, this, right? I got that? this. I've got this, right? right exactly. And and yeah. I just spent too long out, out in the woods um, letting it fester. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Henri would have saved me. <laughs> <laughs> my second my second speed round question is the recovery is leadership. Yeah. What's that all about? So, if I... Remember I said earlier that I really was afraid for people in my community to find out that I was in recovery? Are still afraid of that? No. Okay. Well, like, clearly not. Canadians <laughs> probably don't care. They're all right with it. So, but I really, because I believed that it would undermine all the good things I've done. And they had this opinion, like, oh, well, recovery is leadership. Like, actually, what I'm doing in recovery only solidifies everything I've already done. It doesn't undermine it. I, I'm just being, it's, it's a more authentic version of that. I mean, getting sober is, is leadership. You're being a leader by taking charge of your problem, any kind of recovery, that's leadership. And it was a, another one of those moments where everything I thought I knew flipped on its ear and and I just realized, like, oh, my God, I had it all wrong, you know? Yeah. I thought I had so much to be ashamed of. And so that was that was actually the day when I wrote that piece on who is unpickled. And, and I went onto my um, blog and put my picture on it. And, and I wrote, right. you know, if you're coming here because you – because I think it says in two parts. At first it says, you know, if you're here because you're looking for help and you don't know who I am, but you're reading this because you're trying to find another sober person, then I'm here for you. Everything is here for you. But if you're reading this because you know who I am and you want to be titillated by this secret life that I have, tread tread gently through this Mm -hmm. area. This is sacred ground here. And, And that's what that whole little piece was about, about... You know, something beautiful has been happening here, and it's time that I share it with, with the world. And, you know, I, I posted that day, and typically in my life as a business person and as an arts person, you know, if I wanted to get a story out, I would do a press release, and I would set up a press time, and I would, you know, I'd be on the news by 6 o'clock. Hmm. Um, that was, that's how you get stuff out there. And... Um, and I'm very good at that. That's a big part of my job at work is promoting our company and getting stories out. And um, there was a period of my life where I, every morning as I got dressed for work, I assumed I would be on the news that day and I would, 
be dressed for that. So when I I posted this and kind of came out on Unpickled and put my face and uh, and my name, I think I put my for sure my first name on there. Um, I was prepared. I was braced for that. I mean, I hadn't done a press release or anything, but I was prepared for the onslaught. And what I got was exactly nothing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, people still really don't know uh, in my community that you know. There's, there's the odd person. I did have one person who figured out who I was and and who connected with me because uh, she was in recovery. But most really don't. They, they don't know. The vast majority yeah. of people who have connected you are people who want to come ask you to help them get sober, right? Yeah, exactly. Problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's who's reaching out, and um, I think that is the beauty of blogs and podcasts. And I I've thought about this a lot um, over these years. I I've learned about the stages of change. I don't know if you've studied that at all, but whatever when we're changing something, our life we go through these stages. They're um, pre-contemplation where we don't really know anything's wrong. Right. <laughs> we're just doing what. But we, we do. have a feeling. Yeah. And then comes um, contemplation where we're like, oh, something's not right. I'm, you know, yeah. something's going on here. And then preparation where we start to figure it out. We're doing research. We're thinking about what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then action is when we make our change. And then after that comes maintenance. So for, for people that are reading podcasts and reading, listening to podcasts, reading blogs, commenting and stuff, they're by and large uh, in the contemplation stage. Yeah. And maybe early into the action stage. Mm-hmm. And this is a beautiful thing we're a part of. I believe we, we are part of something really quite new mm-hmm. because this didn't exist previously. And um, so before the internet came along, if you were going through a stage of change with alcoholism or addiction or anything, um, you might be in the contemplation preparation stage, but how did you get your information? You'd have to go to a library. You might have to go and just check out a 12-step meeting. Right. Anything that involves facing another person is kind of an action. So I believe that people stayed in those, stayed in their addiction longer, stayed longer in the changes of stage um, before action because they didn't have all of this stuff available to them anonymously. Yeah. I think and yeah. So I actually think that there's a chance someone's going to look back in time and say this was a pivotal moment in time because I think we're fast-tracking people to action yeah. because they can get the information quickly. They can hear from other people that are just like them. <laughs> yeah. And they can connect quickly and maybe build up the courage to go to a meeting sooner or to go to a counselor to take action sooner so or to just start your blog obviously that's what you need to do start a, start a blog start or, a blog people day <laughs> one quit drinking start a blog <laughs> i love it it helps awesome. me yeah so we'll see time will tell maybe you'll be in the history books you guys yeah, yeah. i mean it feels like it is i mean i, I Saying if it, I'm just, writing history books, we're in it. That's yeah, all I'm saying. And absolutely, <laughs> recovery's having a moment, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, speaking of which, uh, somehow we never, we never. You'd mentioned that some of your uh, co-hosts might be in DC, and somehow we never figure out how to hook up or, or oh, find that out. Um, but uh, DC was, you know, 
It was real. It was real. And it was definitely um, proving that recovery is having a moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm super jealous that I wasn't in D.C. And I hear you guys are talking about doing it again next year, but putting something together beforehand. Is that right? Yes. We're, we were actually just talking tonight uh, when Jeff got here about uh, about what how, how to how to get a bunch of people that do what we do in the same city together again. So, yeah, because it was su- super yeah. fun. Okay, well, count me in on that. I'm saving my All right. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, until then, I want to make sure people that, that if you do know, if you don't know, um, do check out uh, unpickledblog.com, right? Yep. U-N-P-I-C-K-L-E-D blog.com. And uh, you can hear Gene on the bubble hour at thebubblehour.com, right? Yeah, okay. that's great. I'm on a bit of a sabbatical right now. They're doing some episodes without Catherine oh, and I. Okay. Uh, but there's a huge backlog right, of a, a, a catalog archives. And uh, I'm, I think I've got about 100 episodes on there. Wow. Um, they're, they're great. I mean, it doesn't matter who's hosting it. Right. It, yeah, I mean, uh, I very early on in my, in my like I said, uh, foray into the, the recovery-friendly web, I, I listened to quite a few. And just, just a terrific podcast and absolutely one of the... the inspirations for what we're doing here so i can't uh, recommend it highly enough um and uh i have to think there, there's a book in your future right well aren't you smart yes <laughs> okay. i mean just the, the the thinking that you have and, and the way you express it is just phenomenal so um, Aww, if, if you didn't have one i would say you should and you and you are you're writing one i am writing a book yeah okay. Fantastic. Yeah. well I, I don't know what will come of it but i I am a writer by nature, and um, that's always in me. So I'll I'll write it, and we'll see what happens with it. Let us know. Okay. Yeah, I'll be back on my Pimp Your Book tour, and excellent. And hopefully, we'll we'll figure out how to talk to you, if not see you uh, before then. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Gene. It was uh, terrific. It was. It was an honor, and uh, great. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for what you're doing. I, I love your show. I love all the post-production stuff you do. It's really fun. And <laughs> right. um, it's nice to hear uh, both men and women's voices in this. Um, I think there was a real need for that. We heard that a lot at the bubble hour of that we need more dudes talking about this. And um, I think it's it's just a really great thing you're doing. So well, thank you. For doing that. It. And uh, yeah, so, sometimes you want to do a super group mashup. That's still out there. Yeah, I think we should. You know, know we, one time the four of us were all together at the Bubble Hour. We we got together in um, in uh, Boston last year for kind of a meetup, and we put a phone in the middle of the table and we recorded a live show with all of us in the room. And I, I think that's what we need to do with you guys. We need to almost like have a party and record it. All right. Okay. Um, until then. Thank you for this. I really appreciate Thanks. it. All right. Bye bye. Another clean and sober intervention.